You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome to the Got Till 5 Wrestling Podcast with me, Max Cadden, and my beautiful co-host, Jesse Patrick-Benz. I'm not happy about what? this. This what? is um, every show of 2019 you have introduced now, and we used to do it, we used to take it in turns, and I feel like that's just gone out the window, and you, you're growing an ego, and I'm unhappy with it. You mean the two shows that we've done in 2019? Yep. What would you have done differently then? I... I wouldn't have done your stupid rhythm. You always go, welcome to the cocktail phone. <laughs> you can just go, hello. <laughs> just be nicer about it. That's fine. People I feel like you always it. scare people off. Do you, when you scream at them? my voice and turn it off. Yeah, probably. Hello. But, oh, fuck that. All right. Next two, it's all you, baby. You got this. Wicked. All right. I'm in. I'll start rehearsing. Lovely. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us once again. We've got another exciting episode, and you guys picked this week's top five. We gave you an option of four, and you picked top five commentators. This is the way to do it with Twitter votes, because if people vote and it's what they want, they'll listen. Yeah, you bang on there, mate. You get me? Yeah, I get you. Exactly. Right. So this I is your poison. At this. Yeah, you picked your poison. This is what we're going to be doing. And it's kind of fitting because we've got a guest joining us this week as well. Um, and it ties in quite nicely. So he'll be coming on to join us in a second. But Jesse, are you okay? Everything okay going in your life? Everything is going okay. Um, what's happening? So my New Year's resolution was to um, do less music stuff because it eats into my holiday from my real life job yeah. and all that. So in the last couple of weeks, I've taken on a gig in Amsterdam next week and a tour through most of March. So it's not going very well at all. It's good that I'm getting off of this work, um, but it's eating into my holiday already so i'm sort of happy and sad at the same time i was gonna say boohoo you yeah well you know when like people say that if you make something cold and then suddenly make it hot or vice versa it might explode yeah have you ever heard that? that's a science yeah. thing um <laughs> i reckon that the same might happen with happy and sad what i might explode oh <laughs> <laughs> Well, you'll be missed. Let's just say that. You'll be missed. Yeah. You warned me about um, making you laugh tonight because you've got a sore throat, haven't you? You're I've, got, I've had this so cough. If you laugh, you'll, you might die. You might explode as well. Exactly. So I've, I've had this cough like two weeks now. Any slight giggle, it sets me off. So between you and our guest, I need like 100% no jokes. Just the most okay. boring episode we can manage. Deal? Just think, yeah, think about dead puppies or something. That let's, let's not go that far. Let's not go. No. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> Lovely. Um, before we bring on our guests, I just wanted to remind everyone who loves watching wrestling to go head on over to powerslam.tv. Sign up using our promo code GOTTILL5, all one word, to get a 30-day free trial with promotions such as IPW UK, Bar Wrestling, Riptide, CZW, Defy, OTT, RevPro, and many, many more. You can get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from around the world for free for the next 30 days if you use the promo code GOTTILL5 at powerslam.tv was natural right natural that was that was a transition that would make Chris Jericho proud right (laughs) if it was DDPO I'd be be in the bag right now but 
Let's uh, let's invite our guest who, funny enough, does actually do commentary. I called him uh, the mouth of the Midlands earlier and he seemed to appreciate it. So, and that made me feel pretty good about myself. It's the one, the only, Colin Russell Ames. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. And yes, I did love the mouth of the Midlands nickname that you gave me earlier on. I'm completely stealing it. So thank you. That's fine. If you get T-shirts, I just want a slight percentage. We don't have to worry about Jesse. That sounds fair. Bye. Didn't contribute, but I still want some it, please. I thought you would. I thought that'd be your your angle in. <laughs> so I want to cover a few things. Obviously, I want to look at like your ring announcing commentary. You're a big music fan as well, and so I want to kind of get into all of that if that's cool with yourself. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I. I... I have talked a little bit in the past on various other mediums about my wrestling history and stuff, so to be asked about other things as well, actually, I think I'll really enjoy it. So, yeah, this sounds great. Right, exactly. But uh, I, I do have to start off with the, the question you've probably been asked all the time, because I like <laughs> to know how people get like introdu- introduced to wrestling. Like, where did the interest for you start? Okay, so it very first started as... Um, Oh, how old was I? I was an eight-year-old, I believe. I was at my aunt's house, and obviously all the grown-ups are downstairs being boring, so me and my cousin Ben go upstairs, and he says, oh, you need to watch this, puts a VHS into his TV, because that's how old I am. Nice. A VHS, ladies and gentlemen. And he shows me a match between the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, and Edge and Christian uh, TLC 2 from WrestleMania 17. Yes, my first as well. Your, that's, that was in your top five um, favourite WrestleMania matches of all time, isn't it, mate? It was, and I think one of my top five favourite matches, like, ever. Cause... <laughs> it might have been, bloody Ooh. hell. Ooh. So, yeah, that, that's what got me into it as well, just men smacking men and even Lita getting smacked around. Yeah, it's just the amount of sheer carnage that I witnessed as that eight-year-old child just watching men flying through tables and hurling themselves off 20-foot ladders. It was it was beautiful. From literally that second, I was hooked. I never once turned back. I've been a wrestling fan from that day to this. Well, you never really... There's no other medium like it, really, when, especially when you see the hardcore stuff, because I always remember my friend Adam used to have uh, steal ECW videos from his uh, from his brother's bedroom. Nice. And we used to, like, sneak off and watch, because, like, it was ECW and South Park were, like, the things you weren't allowed to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you steal, when you steal blank videotapes from an older brother, it's either going to be wrestling or porn, isn't it? There's it no in between. Either, yeah, either way, can... And considering it's ECW, either way, it was going to be hardcore action. <laughs> <laughs> exactly the point. So, uh, yeah, I think that's always a good start to, to get you in. What was yours, Jesse? I never remember. What was your, like, intro match? Um, oddly, um, my introduction was, um, what was it? It was King of the Ring. Two- uh, yeah, same sort of thing then. So it was King of the Ring 2001, which is a video that I borrowed off a friend which was Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, which oh, nice. is the, with the sort of match that really got me into stuff. So same sort of thing, right? Just seeing bodies get absolutely destroyed gets you hooked. <laughs> that's that's what you need to get your kids involved in wrestling. They're doing it all wrong. Yeah, yeah man. Like, just the... Um, oh, just remembering him failing to and then eventually going through that glass, just especially when you're... I was about the same age, so it, it sticks with you, you know? You're like, well, this is me hooked. I'm good now. Yeah, yeah that that first time when he gets kind of suplexed hits it back first and lands on his head that's Uh, going to remain with you for a long time and the sound oh yes (laughs) that's all on his head yeah 
God, I love it. Now, I was trying to think, like, first time you and me would have met would have been at a Kami show, right? Obviously, you, you would have been announcing. Um, how did you kind of I come... I Yeah, round about then. How did you kind of come up involved with, like, ring announcing commentary? Was it Kami first or were there other avenues into that? Uh, no, it was. It was, well, certainly getting into the wrestling business, it was Kamikaze anyway. They were the guys who gave me a chance it was by luck to be honest with you because i went along to my first show as a fan which was uh, i was in very early it was only the fifth show kamikaze pro ever did um it was called rise of uha and it was at a church venue in digbeth so awful that we've never been back there since brilliant uh, it was, yep wonderful uh, the main event was uha nation versus eddie dennis which was just as you can imagine marvelous yeah awesome and when I went, I realized that I recognized the girl working behind the merchandise table. It was an old friend of mine from Sixth Form called Kim. Um, so I went up, said hello after the show. And then the ring announcer, who had been announcing for that entire show, who was Laurie Neal, uh, came over to the table. And Kim was like, oh, let me introduce my boyfriend, Laurie. So I was like, ah, that's how you got involved in this. Immediately made friends with Laurie because I was like, this is a man I obviously want to know. Yeah. Um, Laurie's genuinely been one of my finest friends ever since. And then... I was introduced to kind of the boss, the head of the whole thing, and told him that I happened to live about a 10-minute walk away from the Cabri Club, which was the venue of the next show. So, therefore, I offered to do any kind of postering or flyering or anything he wanted. I was like, I really want to be involved in wrestling. I've loved it for years and years. I know Laurie. I know Kim. I was blagging completely. I'd, I'd known Laurie for a minute. So I was blacking <laughs> completely. I was like, I know Laws. He's a good bloke. And, yeah, basically got myself in with a chance to be able to do that. Started off doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do when you're coming up i was working on the merchandise table i was setting up the chairs before the shows carrying the ring into the venue all that kind of thing that was how i started and just spent a few years doing that nice how but how do you then transition to a sort of commentary slash announcer role because i find that it's the set you know with music wrestling acting whatever like you can get involved and it's great to get involved and work hard at sort of that bottom level and work your way up but sometimes you become so much part of the furniture in that role that it's really difficult to progress do you know what I mean now that is a fair point and for me I'm going to be perfectly honest it was kind of a case of knowing the right people because by this point after about I think it was just under a year or so I had become very good mates with Laws and we had a good we always had a good rapport with one another so when their old commentator they kind of cycled through a few commentators laws was always the main man and then he had another commentator with him that was one of two or three people and one by one all of those people dropped off until he had a show where he had no co-commentator so about a week before the show he sent me a message saying bring your suit to the next show i want to try you on comms nice awesome that's cool yeah so i suppose he vouched for you and obviously knew you well and knew that you had the right personality exactly yeah because he knew that me and him could bounce off one another well and he knew that i was confident in it and very knowledgeable about wrestling he just kind of went right you have a shot and literally since then i've only ever missed one show and that's because i was in hospital so that's it i've been kamikaze pro ever since amazing damn right and uh so so one thing i'm noticing especially when when i see you doing announcing and stuff and i don't know if it is just because it's you but is it just me or are people's introduction names getting longer and longer Oh, yes. I can only imagine that they are. To be fair, particularly with independent wrestling, because announcements quite often tend to be made after the music rather than when the music's playing, the announcements are becoming very important parts of gimmicks because it gives you a chance to get your character over to a crowd that's never seen you before. The very 
very first two things that they're going to learn about you are one what is your entrance and two what does the announcer say about you when you walk out mm. so it's their very first chance and that's why um we'll get on to the man that i'm sure you were about to mention in a second <laughs> yes. mr fucking 28 <laughs> nicknames but that's why as an example a former guest of this podcast uh, the elliot jordan experience that's why his introduction is kind of perfect for his character because if a crowd have never seen him before and then they hear the ring announcer whether it be me or whether it be somebody else on a different show say that his hairstyle is deliberately streamlined and aerodynamic and his beard's a shock absorbing tactical masterpiece <laughs> it's obvious that he's this arrogant kind of knobhead you're not gonna like <laughs> And that gets the character over. Job done before he's even started wrestling. Yeah, completely. Because I was going to say between, if we have David Starr, Elliot Jordan, and even the lad Divine on the show, without half the night doing introductions. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm the, the saddest thing is, is that as far as those ones in particular, uh, two of the three, I am responsible for, essentially. Um, the Elliot Jordan Experiences introduction, I'm proud to say that I wrote. That was... Uh, a creation of mine mm -hmm. awesome and then the lad Sean Devine he started the idea but I kind of added more to it so when he came to me I think he had four he had the, he was the Ebenezer Lemon Squeezer Bacardi Breezer Naughty Geezer yeah and every so often I'd just send him a message on Facebook going you should put this in there so he's now up to about seven or eight I've just added them over time so I'm making a rod for my own back really you really are <laughs> and, and I think you got a special gift for that because when we spoke to Elliot he said the same thing that you you were kind of helping him out and I didn't know that about Sean either um but even last time I was with you guys and I think it was like one of Al's first matches last time and Al's got this this comic book character for people that don't know and he was like oh I don't know what to do for a nickname and Colin quick as a dime just went what about the modern Marvel and everyone just had that kind of stop moment of like that's genius and you seem to do that quite a bit with like helping people out with um, especially the introduction of character and stuff is that yeah. just something that kind of comes naturally to you it is in a way, yeah. The the modern Marvel thing I actually thought of, funnily enough, um, the night before. So I was really glad that Al said I, I'm trying to think of a nickname because it just so happened the previous night as I was going down the card because quite often the night before a show I'll have a look at a card, see who I'm introducing and, you know, get some notes and stuff. Um, particularly if I'm on commentary because if I'm on commentary for the show I need to know a bit about it before I get there, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I went down the card and I saw that it was Alan. I think it might have been his first mate. It was either his, like his first or his second. It was one of his very yeah, early Yeah, I ones, think it right? was against um, Brandon Thomas. I think that was it. Oh, yes. And I know that Brandon uses, uh, Brandon uses a nickname. He calls himself the big fella when he's, uh, when he's a good guy. So... I thought, well, Al needs a little something, but is there anything that he could go with with the comic book thing? And then I just kind of... Yeah, it, I can't explain how it happens. I just sort of looked at him and went, ah, oh, comic book, modern Marvel, works perfect. <laughs> yeah, um, you can... Yeah. You couldn't come up with Mouth of the Midlands, though. No, no Mouth of the Midlands, I never... <laughs> I often call myself things like... I always... Um, I have a running joke with promoters and people that I work with that I always call myself the voice of whatever company I happen to be with at the time. And it's not like... It's not a self-aggrandizing thing, like it's a genuine joke, but I always am like, oh yes, I'm the voice of Wolfram Pro Wrestling. I'm the voice of the Shropshire Wrestling Alliance. I'm the voice of Kamikaze Pro... You know, it's just... And then I recently became the voice of National Express because, uh, yeah, I work for National Express, the coach company, and recently when we had an issue with our website, when you phone up and get that recorded message, it's going, we're really sorry, but we're experiencing high call volumes. Uh, that was me. Awesome. So, yes. That's the best claim to fame in the world. I know. So, yeah, I uh, I became the voice of National Express on top of all the others. But nice. uh, the Mouth of the Midlands is a good one. Well, it uh, is, yeah. As we say. I'm glad that we gave it to you. 
Hang on. (laughs) This 10% is like rising to 15%. I don't know where it's going to stop. But uh, um, to stick with nicknames, obviously, we got to mention David Starr, the man with, wow, 1,001 nicknames at this point. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got a heck of a list on him. Oh, it's ridiculous. And uh, I always love watching you do his intro because I remember once, and it must have been like one of the first times, but you kind of fucked up halfway through and the dread ah, in your face and you were just yeah. like so angry with yourself. Yeah. But then at the next show or the show after, you nailed it. And I've never seen so much happiness in one person's face to nail it yeah, all the I way think, through. Um, I think, am I right in saying, I know a few Kamikaze guys came up to the SWA show where I got his name without cards for the first time. Were you one of them? I don't... I don't think I was at that SWA one. I don't think you were at that one in particular, no. But yeah, the... um, the, the first time that I ever actually tried to do it without cards, because the first couple of times I introduced David, um, I used a card because, of course, he would. But then I had a week of show. Uh, I had a month, <laughs> sorry, shows where it just so happened. I was announcing a show every weekend in a row for three weeks, and every single one of those shows featured David Starr. Hmm. So at the first show, I kind of made a joke to him and kind of said, oh, by the third one, I'm going to be doing this without reading it off a card. And it became a bit of a challenge. So... I spent the week running up to that final show desperately memorizing and memorizing it. I was even stood next to uh, referee Joel Allen in the ring at the time, going over and over it in my head. <laughs> and then I fucked it after the second nickname. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was the pause uh, and the dread. I'm it sorry. It was a really early burnout. It was, it was so bad. And the thing is, is that I then went and sat down on commentary, um, commentating at the time with my number one favorite commentary partner, by the way, Damien Dunn. Um, <laughs> He's he's marvellous on commentary, yep. really is. Um, went and sat down with Damien and immediately did it on commentary just to prove <laughs> that I had memorised it. <laughs> Damien obviously picked me up and was like, oh, you messed that up a bit there, Colin. I was like, what do you mean? We're messed up calling him the cream in your coffee, your favourite wrestler's favourite wrestler, the Jewish can, and just did the whole thing <laughs> just to prove that I had done it. But to yeah, be fair, that- I've, seen, I've seen Damien star in a couple of different promotions and I've never seen an announcer without a cue card introduce him. So well, you've, that's a good string to your bow. Yeah, I um, the one kind of smug point that I always have up to the point at which it is still my pinned tweet on Twitter um, is the fact that since he changed it, the last time he changed it was last year when he added the best of the best because he won CZW's best of the best tournament. Mm. Uh, after he changed it, I was the first <laughs> announcer in the world to do the new one without cards. Amazing. Yeah, so that's which David David actually said to me like after the match he said it to me at half time. He was like, By the way, you know nobody has done the new one without cards yet and I was like, Fuck yes, that is my new claim to fight. <laughs> Forever. That's a break. That, that and the National Express voice. That and that and being the voice of National Express, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad you brought up you and Damien on commentary because you guys are just like if he ever packs up this whole wrestling thing, I want him to go into commentary. Because you two together is just hilarious. I've said it to him myself many times and it was a it was an unfortunate circumstance that originally led to it because the first time we ever called a show together was a Shropshire Wrestling Alliance show called Sledgehammer which was Damien was supposed to be wrestling on that show and then got injured mm. so the promoter very kindly said to him I'll still come along we'll put you on commentary and we you know we'll give you a wage for the night which is really good it's a decent thing to do for injured wrestlers where you can um, so me and Damien just called that whole show together and it was the best night of commentary. He is so... Damien's a man who is effortlessly funny. Mm. And I'll admit a lot of it is at my expense, but that's <laughs> how his humour works. 
and he just is yeah there's something about me and him behind a commentary table together we have a charisma that just clicks off one another yeah you're both Um, very quick-witted and can kind of just yeah as you say just bounce off of each other yeah we fire back and forth at one another a lot and he's he's great although there was um there was one SWA show the most recent show their super show at the end of last year where I was informed afterwards that I had to they had to edit the commentary I'd given them a difficult job because they picked up at one point where I took my headset off stood up to go to the ring and called Damien a fucking dickhead (laughs) 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 because Damien had been on rare form that night beautiful (laughs) yeah so sorry about that guys but yes it happens he's great he's a joke you can't compromise your art. Exactly. Best yeah. way of looking at it. Have you got any, because obviously you've got the, the sweet deal. Me and Jesse talked about this last week when we were talking about me and Gene Oakland, where you kind of get the sweet gig of you get to be in the ring with all of these top talents, all of these great guys, but you don't have to do any bumps or any stupid shit like that. You can just like yeah. enjoy the moment. So have you got any kind of standout moments from A, during ring announcing and B, from when you're on commentary? Like, does anything kind of stand out from those two roles? Um, yeah, a few things do. The first time that I got David Starr, that's that's really a moment that, that rings in my head because David knew how long I've been trying to learn this, trying to get it down in my head so that I knew exactly what I was saying the whole time. And literally after I got to the very end of his introductions, he had the product David Starr. And he stands up and does his pose. He's like his usual taunts or whatever. Then he just spins around 180 in the center of the ring and gives me the biggest hug. And it was just a wonderful moment because I was just stood there like, I finally did it. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So that was really nice. And then apart from that, to be honest, man, it's just, it's the people that I've got to announce and the stuff that I've got to announce as well. Like I've announced matches for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. I was about to mention that, Uh, yeah the TNA Women's Championship, the Ring of Honor Television Championship, I think I've announced a match for. Mm -hmm. Um, I've announced a match for the CZW World Tag Titles, the CZW World Title. It's ridiculous that I've gotten to do all this stuff and also announce some of the best professional wrestlers in the world, both from the UK and from abroad. I mean, getting to announce Jimmy Havoc for the first time was a real special thing for me because he was one of the guys who got me into British wrestling. Um, Announcing guys like El Ligero and Dave Mastiff, and then being able to say that I've announced for Speedball Mike Bailey, for example, one of Kamikaze Pro's kind of regular international guests, yeah. who's a real, just phenomenal professional wrestler and one day will be an absolute star. And every so often, even now, it's getting to the point where I'm seeing people popping up on WWE television and being like, I've announced that guy, I've, I've announced that guy or I've worked with that guy. I've been, in, I've been on a commentary table when they've been there it's insane I've like commentated on a couple of UHA Nation matches who of course is now Apollo Crews and there's a few in NXT uh, Tommaso Ciampa I've I've commentated on who's obviously now a massive massive star yeah I was going to say he's doing alright for him <laughs> yeah he's doing okay since he since since he defended the Ring of Honor television title at the Cadbury Club in Bourneville he's, he's done alright for himself <laughs> since then um, oh. yeah it's that it's that kind of stuff and also um, my favourite anecdote in the world which was I've been for breakfast at Toby Carvery with Rhino that is awesome <laughs> that's brilliant yeah the man the man likes a likes an egg I was gonna say like what what were we talking about did he go for all the meats Yorkshire pud uh, yeah bit of gravy all the meat bit of veg um I mean, I don't think a bit of gravy because it was a breakfast. Bear that in mind. It's oh, it was a breakfast. Okay. Yeah, the Toby all-you-can-eat breakfast. Uh, but yeah, the man, all the bacon, all the sausage, fair, a fair amount of eggs. 
he well, seems like he seems like a friendly chap. He is. He's such a nice. He's actually genuinely one of the nicest guys that I've met. All the people that that come across it, you kind of think not necessarily have a bad a bad reputation, but the people that might have the right to have a bit of an attitude about them because they've kind of been there and done that, and they're the guys who have earned your respect. They all tend to be the nicest dudes. Mm, like that's cool. Rhino, an absolutely lovely bloke. Um, one man who actually does come with a reputation, but is genuinely one of the nicest people I've ever met is Hardcore Holly. Oh, really? That's interesting. I recently read his book. Oh, I love his book. It's great. It's I read good, it. Isn't it. Yeah, I read it last year. It's fantastic. But no, he um, he does come with a bit of that reputation of kind of being a hard bastard and having, you know, hazing the young prospects and all this kind of stuff and having the bad attitude or whatever. None of that is is my experience of meeting the man at all. That's he interesting. Is, incredibly just polite courteous professional gentleman really pleasant to be around he's genuinely just one of the nicest guys awesome nice that's nice so who, who is the biggest arsehole <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment that's my my career is is not quite worth that yet because I'm still on the way up I think Smart, one man. day one day you can yeah. come on here and shoot yes when everything's when everything's gone wrong in three years' time, I will come on here and tell you exactly who is a massive one. <laughs> no. I love that. You said about Rhino. You know, he ran for mayor not long ago. Was it last year or something? Of, yeah. Uh, somewhere in America. And uh, I like Rhino. You obviously say he's a lovely person. The man does not suit a suit. No, he doesn't, does he? No, he doesn't look right in a suit. He's a literal square. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And his and he and he took his um, he took his tie advice from Vince McMahon, I think, because it was almost as wide as his shirt. <laughs> oh, it's not it's not a fashion the... contest, Jesse, to win, to get into politics. <laughs> it is to me. <laughs> There's a reason why I have recently um, sort of transmitted from wearing a full suit in the ring to wearing a suit jacket over a t-shirt. The the wider gentleman, as I think it's fair to call myself, does not look good in a suit. And God bless him, Rhino proved that point very, very well. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. Like a, yeah, like a well-dressed bowling ball. <laughs> Obviously, he's he's a completely different kind of what, like, I just like pizza too much, whereas he's built like a brick shit house. But still, yeah, it doesn't suit, uh, it doesn't suit us. No. Isn't that cool? That's, and again, that's a man who was involved in the match that got you into, into professional wrestling, right? He yeah. comes out to help Edge and Christian at 17. Exactly. Yeah, that's he, awesome. What yeah, he cool... was literally. I told him that at the time. I was like, "You were, you weren't in the match, but you were a part of the very first wrestling match I ever saw." Mm. And yeah, that was that was surreal to be able to do that. Yeah, I bet. Super trip. I, I, actually, I was just going to loop back quickly to so we, so we know how you got into like wrestling in general, but like British wrestling was that because uh, you went to your first Kamikaze show. Uh, how much were you into British wrestling before that kind of first Kami show? I, do you know, honestly, I didn't know a huge amount about it for the longest time. Um, I'm trying to think of how the time scale works. I think I knew vague things. Like I'd seen stuff on the rest when the wrestling channel was a thing. Oh, yes. Oh, I miss the wrestling channel. Yes. I saw bits and bobs on there, but I never knew. I never knew what company I was watching or even what the names of the guys were. I would just kind of have it on in the background while I was at my dad's house because he's the only one that had Sky. So, and because I'd only go and see my dad like once a month. So I'd just, just every wrestling. so often I'd catch, yeah, just one match, just like, oh, I wonder who these guys are. But then, weirdly, the thing that got me into it was being a, a TNA fan mm. because I didn't have Sky at home and Impact was on free television. Um, 
straight after Impact Wrestling on Challenge was a show called Wrestle Talk TV, which which ran on TV for years, and I really really enjoyed it. And they always talked about British wrestling on there as a part of it. Like their main thing was obviously they'd discuss what was going on WWE, what's going on in TNA, but then they would talk about these other names and and what was happening in British wrestling and. That was where I started getting more interested in it, looking it up online. And then, again, TNA, uh, the British Boot Camp came around. Mm. And that really was the first time I got exposed to. Uh, I knew of Spud, because he's from the local area. I, I actually, um, I had a friend who knew him. So I didn't I didn't really kind of know Spud myself. But he was kind of friend of a friend sort of thing, so I knew who he was. But then seeing Spud and Party Marty, as he was at the time, and just seeing a bit more of the British wrestling scene through that was really interesting. How it first really kicked in was I went to a gig in Wolverhampton. I think, if I remember correctly, I was seeing Tenacious D at the Wolverhampton Civic. Brilliant. Classic. Yes. Um, I still have Kyle Gass's guitar pick from that gig. One of my proudest possessions. And there was a poster outside the Wolf Civic for a show that was there the next weekend. Um, a company called AWW in Wolverhampton were running their 10th anniversary show. And the three guys that were on the poster were El Ligero, whose name I had heard on WrestleTalk TV and whatnot. Doug Williams, who of course had been in TNA, had been the X Division champion, all that kind of stuff, and Marty Skull, who had been on boot camp. So I kind of went, ah, well, I've never seen this British wrestling thing before, but I've gotten interested in it. I've Googled it and stuff. I know who all of these three people are on this poster. I'm going to buy a ticket and go. Fuck yeah. Nice. Yeah, best way to do it. And then as. I like that that, that promotion was called R. R. Wrestling. And as they say, the rest is history. Now, I do want to get into some music, but I've got to quickly ask you because, Jesse, I don't know if you're well aware, but not only has he got National Express fame behind him, but this man was also on the WWE Network recently. Uh, sitting ringside ah, for NXT UK Blackpool. And I just want to know how you found the show and quickly, um, who would you want to see get into NXT UK from the British division at the moment? Um, The one guy, actually, who quite often I pick up, because you've obviously got all the well-known indie-ish names, the guys who can work those particularly technical, independent matches that you often see in New Japan and that kind of thing. But the one guy who I think would be perfectly suited to the WWE, and I'd love to see him go there, uh, is Nathan Cruz. Ah, good shout. I'm big fan of Nathan Cruz. The way he carries himself, the way he really portrays his gimmick well, and his old school style, I think would be fantastic for um, for the WWE, and I'd love to see him get there. Yeah. The um, Fun fact, actually, this is one of the most unbelievable things that I didn't even realise was happening at the time and now I look back on it um, Nathan Cruz was on that first show I ever went to you know really um, the AWW show yeah um, on the on that card I believe it was the opening match of the second half Nathan Cruz beat some young Japanese guy nobody had ever heard of called Hiromu Takahashi <laughs> no <laughs> that's way. insane yeah my first ever independent wrestling show at the Wolfram Hall in Wolverhampton I saw Hiromu Takahashi and I had no idea that's crazy <laughs> that must have uh, yeah, yeah, been uh, his excursion time right before he yeah it was wow. yeah before he kind of broke through but yeah Nathan I think would be amazing in WWE UK apart from that it's it's tricky because there's certain guys who you look at and I'm like I love you but I kind of want I want to see you on the independent scene for a bit longer not necessarily because they need to improve but because I want more chances to watch you before you go away yeah I'd agree with that and 
it's a difficult thing because like there's guys that I absolutely love who I'm so happy for them that they they're going into NXT UK and that's the thing you really can't say anything negative in my opinion about the way NXT the UK is being handled because the guys who are on the top level contracts are there because they have earned it they're incredible professional wrestlers and they deserve the right to be there and there's no there's no negativity about that whatsoever but at the same time it does make me like just a tiny bit sad that like I know I'm never going to be able to go to like a show down the road and watch Tyler Bate you know what I mean yeah it's true it's oh, yeah. yeah everyone's kind of earned it and stuff I think I think Nathan's a solid shout I agree with that now I do want to talk about music because you're a big music fan I only bring up music because we never normally do but you actually have good taste which makes me happy <laughs> so when we're at shows and stuff if Colin can get to the sound desk first and put his music on I'm happy I'm, I'm happy because yeah. then I don't have to deal with the gangster rappy wank that everyone else puts on when they're doing sound so uh, yeah. I always appreciate it you're the wisest man I've ever met man <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no dispute in that is there and because um, no, you've got you've got your own band as well you've got a gig coming up a final gig if I'm not mistaken in February uh, yes, our final gig, which is also doubling as our first gig in over two years. So that shows you how successful we have been as a band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> genuinely, we actually we had some decent success in the back in the day. We did a couple of UK tours and we supported a fairly big band called Paint and Pending. We supported them at the O2 Academy. So nice. Nice. That, that was quite sweet. Um, but yeah, basically, I actually, believe it or not, I left that band to focus on professional wrestling. Um, but most of us went to download festival last year and while we were hanging out it just kind of all felt cool it felt like it was going really well we were glad to be back together again but glad, glad to be back as mates and hanging out with one another and we just kind of went should we just do one more because none of us are really interested in getting back into it as a full-time thing at this point because we've all got you know careers and lives and the guitarist for example um i don't know he might be a dad right now uh, his missus went into labor right okay so at this point our guitarist is either a dad or is going to be a dad in the very very near congratulations. future congratulations awesome. future dad yeah congratulations guitarist yes. uh, shout out ben ben foy is his name shout out ben for uh, for your soon-to-be little one joining the smart casual family but yes that is that is us we are smart casual we're named after the first kids in glass houses album because it's one of the best pop punk albums of all time and we we came apart a couple of years ago purely because most of us had life getting in the way and genuinely I left the band because I was like wrestling is getting pretty cool I'm going to go and see where this takes mm. me but we've decided to do a one-off just to celebrate the way Smart Casual was and to leave it on a proper note because the way it ended at the time was essentially I was leaving the band so we did a show that was just my last show but then rather than carrying on as Smart Casual which is what they were originally going to do they all decided that they didn't want to do Smart Casual without me which I really respected it was so like it, it that was touching genuinely and so they formed a new band with a new name and a different singer and so they never played any more Smart Casual songs again or Smart Casual shows again so there was never a proper goodbye for the band as a whole because there was a show where we said goodbye to me but people thought that Smart Casual was still going to carry on yeah. so this is a chance right. for very few people that did actually bother listening to Smart Casual in the first place. Uh, I will point out one of whom is Damien Dunn. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> genuinely, Damien, like, the first time he ever played one of my songs, he said that, um, well, this is this is the unbelievable story. He, the first time he ever heard one of our songs was he was in a car going to, I think, an attack show in Wales from Birmingham. Uh, also in that car, sitting in the, the navigator seat, as it were, the front, the front passenger seat 
the DJ seat yeah. was Pete Dunne. Yeah, the DJ seat, exactly. Um, Pete Dunne was controlling the music and Pete Dunne said, oh, you know, Colin from Kamikaze is in a band. Uh, <laughs> and he looked us up and... I'll be perfectly honest. I think it's possible that Pete was going to play our song so that the lads, because I think everybody in the car, everybody but one was somebody who also wrestles regularly for Kamikaze. I think possibly the first time you put the song on was they were going to have a little bit of a laugh and take the piss of oh, it's Colin's little pop punk band or whatever. And then uh, Damien really fucking liked the song. So, <laughs> Backfired Pete in your yeah. face. Exactly. Yeah, Pete, you, you massive star <laughs> with a WWE UK title. You, you might be you know in this incredible position at a ridiculously young age but Damien does like that song <laughs> priority uh, oh right. you guys are going to kill me this evening um, the hardest question that people always have to answer then favourite bands Who, who's your like your Desert Island Disc style bands okay Frank Turner number one always is always will be um, the greatest songwriter on the planet right now for my money he just has an incredible way with words his lyrics appeal to me in a way that I can't even kind of describe like he writes songs that can pick you up when you're down he writes songs that can make you angry about things you should be angry about like some of his writing is quite political and it's deservedly so he has um, a phenomenal tune called Love, Ire and Song which was uh, the title track of his second album that is amazing yeah. about kind of the state of the world and protest and stuff uh, on his most recent album he had a song called Make America Great Again and that was not a supporting Donald Trump song. That was very much a Donald Trump should fuck off song. And yeah, he's just, he's the best songwriter on the planet right now. I saw him live two days ago for the 18th time. And I have his handwriting tattooed on my arm. So it's that's, that's the level that we're at. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's great live. One of my favorite nights uh, with you, Jesse, is when we went and saw Frank on New Year's Eve. And there was that Spiegel tent in Gloucester. Yeah, that was a weird night. You that just got back from Canada. Um, yeah. You were jet lagged as fuck. You didn't know where you were. I landed back from Canada, went back to Cheltenham. You knocked on my door and said, I've got Frank Turner tickets. Come on. I was like, I'm so tired. I've been on a plane for 12 hours, man. <laughs> You're like, oh, it'll be fine. And you know when you have those kind of almost fever dreams, but we got to Gloucester and there's just this Belgian circus tent set up in the middle of Gloucester where Frank would be playing yeah. and barely anyone was there. 200 people, wasn't it? Just uh, like if nothing. If that, if that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 tiny. Top five drunks I've ever been. That could be a top five. That at, was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember losing you later on in the night when we went to someone's house, like at some point, and then found you just throwing up outside in the back yeah. garden. Like, oh, Snap my phone. And I just went back yeah. and enjoyed my night. Yeah. It's, it's always <laughs> a good night. It's always a good night when one of your mates can say, I don't know where the fuck you were. That's how you can tell it was the right time. <laughs> just vanished. But uh, yeah, Frank's a solid one. What about on the, the pop punk scale? What are we looking at here? Um, the the pop punk side of things, which is my real kind of passion for for uh, for music. That's why I'm in a pop punk band. Same um, for us. Same for us. Nice. The aforementioned kids in glass houses uh, yeah. gone before their time. They were one of the great, certainly British. One of the, I would argue, possibly the best British pop punk band that we've had. Um, they were brilliant. Their third album a bit, meh, but if you ignore that. They were superb. Um, but mostly I tend to like the old school pop punk. Like Newfound Glory are probably my favourite pop punk band. Um, obviously Blink-182 are incredible. Uh, my entrance music in wrestling is Fat Lip by Sum 41. That's so, a good, good choice. Yeah, it's it works really well to be fair because it's got that intro where it drops in perfectly and it's only, I think it's like eight bars and then it drops in. So it's a nice short little intro. It drops in, I go through the curtain 
and literally if you're standing in the crowd at a show that I'm announcing you can time on your watch to the second when I'm going to come through the curtain yep um, literally to the second I don't know if you actually saw speaking about um, Blink-182 um, Mark Hoppus and All Time Alex Lowe's Gaspar. yeah yes. yeah they've got a new band going oh yeah and who told you that Max you did Jesse <laughs> literally two hours ago another great band by the way All Time Low. I know yeah. they're they're not one of the cooler ones to like because they appeal to the, the fangirl crowd or whatever but no All Time Low are genuinely brilliant I think they're really really good uh, Bowling for Soup actually those guys have to be mentioned Bowling for Soup are just so much fun Jared's got big isn't he ah well see I can't talk oh <laughs> you're not you're not Jared's size though that's something else <laughs> no he's um, yeah, do you know he's a big lad but he's a big lad that can sing and I appreciate that as a big yeah, lad true. that can kind of sing so yeah no um, Bowling for Super just one of the most fun live bands on the planet when I saw them uh, last time I saw them was when they did their tour where they played Drunk Enough to Dance in full. Nice. And he's just like, you go to a Bowling for Soup show, you can't help but laugh the entire night. Because as well as the music being great, it's it's like going to a music show and a comedy show at the same time. They're brilliant. I saw them um, at Download 2007 <laughs> and um, on the main stage, right? And yep. um, they were, you know, slap bang in the middle of all these metal bands. And then you get Bowling for Soup and they had the crowd in the palm of their hand and there is no other pop punk band that could have done that with a lineup like that, if you know what no, I mean. They, I they absolutely killed it. It was awesome. I don't think there is, but they are absolutely perfect at doing that kind of stuff. They have this wide-ranging appeal because of their personalities and their charisma on stage. You, you can't help but like... You could go to a Bowling for Soup show wanting to hate them and you'd still leave thinking that was fantastic. Yeah, definitely yeah and that's what pop punk should be they should be like fun gigs and stuff because I was at um, the last slam dunk uh, yeah last slam dunk in Birmingham and it was uh, Zebrahead and Goldfinger that's like the second or third time seeing Zebrahead and they're another band that is just so much fun and so funny and just appreciate what they are did I bump into you there at all? Uh, I don't understand you did I'm trying to remember seeing you I literally I spent all day there um, I had in the car park um, no I, <laughs> I had loads of friends who were there who were like kind of flitting in and out so I saw a bit of one mate a bit of another mate but you know you always have that one person at Slam Dunker you, you, you hang with literally the entire day like both of you have got exactly the same plans yeah so I was at Slam Dunk and I spent all day with the 21st century hero Luke Douglas what a uh, hero an absolute legend and yeah I, could, I, I don't remember seeing you there but no I, um, I had a wonderful time Medina Lake played their first gig in like 10 years or whatever it was yeah, oh man I'd forgotten about them oh man it was so good see I went to Medina Lake's farewell tour and I was so sad that they were going so then yeah. to get to see them one more time man my little fanboy heart was very happy yeah. awesome do you know Medina Lake Max? Uh, no I don't think I, they're like in my rotation oh yeah Come no, on. you'd love them I know right gotta get what, on what it, but... is it from, from them through us to you I think their first album is that what it's called it's yeah. something like that yeah. so there's twins in the band aren't there and they, yes. they do an American reality show or something to make the money to sort of record their first album yeah I believe they did yeah there's a pair of twin brothers in the band and they, they I think you're right they did some kind of PR stunt or reality TV or something like that and then recorded the first album using the money from it yeah fair play to it man yeah, exactly. It, it was a solid lineup, you know. People like say anything, and uh, Frank Carter. It was a great day. I'm annoyed that they've kind of taken away the Birmingham location for next year. Oh, mate! And I was so like, angry. I'm not going. I'm not going this year. And then they announced like the best ska punk punk stage ever with like no effects, it's, bad religion, interrupters. I'm like, oh, fuck it, I'm going. It's yeah. part. It's partnered with Fat Records, isn't it? I think. 
this year. Yeah, or something like that. Or, well, or listen, it's, um, just... it's it's no effects. It's the um the they're doing the um the Punkin Droblick stage or whatever it's that's called. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. Right. that's a great album, Punkin Droblick. Yeah. Gotta do it, gotta do it. Well, I know we've got to let you shoot off, so let's get to the plugging stage of things. Um, <laughs> when's the next time that people can see you at a wrestling show, first of all? Uh, next time people can see me is the 2nd of February, which is Kamikaze Pro Underground 6 at the Empire in Coventry. Um, main event is Speedball Mike Bailey going one-on-one with Sergeant Suplex Millie McKenzie, representing the anti-fun police as one of the Kamikaze Pro Tag Team Champions, also on an incredible lineup. Um, we did have the Anti-Fun Police versus CCK. So we had Damien, um, well, sorry, Chief Deputy, don't excuse me, and Los Federales Santos Jr. versus Chris Brooks and Kid Lycos. Uh, obviously, for those who are following it, Kid Lycos very sadly has hurt his shoulder. Um, I believe he dislocated his shoulder at a progress show over the weekend. Yeah. We're currently working on that situation. There will still be a Tag Team Championship match. Lycos gets no luck, does he, man? Mate, I feel so. He's the thing is with him as well because I've known Lycos for a lot. I've known Lycos since before he was Lycos, and he's such a fucking nice dude. Yeah, it's, it's horrible to see it happen to. He, honestly, like to see a wrestler go down injured once is rubbish, but to see somebody out so many times like this, I really feel horrible for him. And I just hope that this time when he comes back, and he will, and I believe that he will, this time when he comes back, it's back for good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he deserves it, man. There's, there's no god when you look at Lycos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Excellent. Yeah, so the and tag titles will be on the line, and also loads of other incredible matches. Go to go to our facebook.com forward slash Kamikaze Pro UK, and you can find it all there. Exactly. I know there's a lot of you in the uh, in the West Midlands area who who tune into this. So if you've not been to a Kami Coventry show, they're one of the. I love that venue, and I love Kamikaze as you all well know but uh, there's something about the the Coventry shows that just give it that special feel and I'm glad they're they're going to be kind of the mainstay going through 2019 so get tickets yeah. to go and check it out and it, um, um, it gives us a chance as well to to kind of use guys that we wouldn't necessarily use like I love very dearly Jimmy Havoc he's one of my favourite wrestlers on the planet doesn't matter you know if they're signed or independent or whatever Jimmy's one of my favourites I couldn't really see Jimmy Havoc doing that well at like the Collingwood Centre and Great Bar it's no. just not particularly considering that's literally a church yeah um, it's not the place for him so the Empire gives us a chance to spread out and use more guys and, and use people who wrestle a different style uh, just today um, I'm going to give you not not an exclusive because I don't think I'm allowed to reveal this yes but I'm going to give you a little teaser that you can give to all of your listeners because mm-hmm. I know you do have uh, listeners in the West Midlands, particularly on the West Midlands scene. Uh, today, I have signed a deal as the Kamikaze Pro General Manager uh, to bring Ooh. back somebody who we have not seen in a long time. And I think they're someone who's going to fit in very well at the Empire shows. Stay tuned for more information and maybe come and see us on March 24th. Ooh, that, that's a sultry tease. I like that one. Yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm putting my bet in early with The Rock. <laughs> yeah, I've got his number, man. I've got his number. Yeah, it's been a while since he was in Kamikaze. You know, it's been too. a long time since The Rock turned up, but, you know, on March 24th, finally, <laughs> The Rock... <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah, uh, Kamikaze on the second, that's going to be great. And uh, you know what? you got your, your band coming up. Tell people where they can get tickets for your sultry singing voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you if you would like to come and see us, and please, please do, because apart from anything else, I'm going to hold my hands up and be completely honest. This was a bit of a gamble for us. We decided to promote this show ourselves, so we don't have a promoter. We don't have an agent or anything working on the show. It's literally just us. We are running the show. So, therefore, 
if we sell tickets, we take home all the profit. If we don't sell tickets, we have to pay for the show. So please, please come and see Smart Casual. Uh, we are on on February the 23rd. We're at the Flapper in Birmingham, which is the best small music venue Great in venues. the world. It's the best. I love it in there. Uh, we're playing in there, celebrating not only us getting back together for one-off, but also celebrating the fact that the Flapper was saved from closure last year. Yes. Because the flapper was nearly closed down and then got saved so yeah we're, we're celebrating that we're giving it up for that um, tickets to be honest the easiest thing to do if you go to our Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash smart casual official or one word uh, either message that page or just add me on Facebook I'm available through there and message me directly because I have physical tickets and I will come and put that ticket in your hand for, in exchange for the paltry amount of six pounds bargain six pounds a ticket bargain come and see it Max you're coming aren't you well, yes. hell yeah. There you go. I'm going to annoy, uh, annoy Damien Dunn if he's in, in the crowd. Oh, fantastic. I'm hoping that he, he genuinely said that he might try, although I'm slightly concerned that although Damien Dunn isn't on, um, a gentleman by the name of Damien Weir might have to turn up at NXT UK in Coventry on the same night. So if oh, he really? does, that'll be a bit annoying. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep Bloody up. Triple H. Well, we see, yeah, uh, we see where his loyalties lie. Selfish. Yeah, have to hear you. Um, no, I'd, um, but yeah, please, uh, please do come and support the show. And even if, even if you can't make it to the show or anything, um, if you go to facebook.com forward slash smart casual official, there's a link to our SoundCloud on there. Listen to our music. Our first EP, Square Peg, is also available on Spotify. So search for Smart Casual Square Peg. Have a listen to that. Uh, listen to Festival Girl because that is Damien Dunn's favourite song. There we awesome. go. And Pete Dunn's favourite song because he put it on. And Pete. Yes, there you go. <laughs> uh, mate, this has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, I wish we had kind of more time. If you want to come on again, we'd be more than happy to have you to talk some more wrestling, some more music oh, and whatnot. So uh, thank you very much. Honestly, I would love to. I genuinely, I don't feel like I've, I've given you guys enough here because there's so much more that I want to talk about myself. And I'm sorry I have to shoot off, but thank you so much for having me. And definitely, I'd love to come back. It's going to be well, part it's two. good to meet your voice, man. And it'll be nice to meet you in person one day. I'm sure we will. Yeah, I need to take it you is. to a cami show, Jesse. I've never never taken you to one. So, yeah, uh... pull your finger out your ass. <laughs> I right. mean, either that or you could bring him to see Smart Casual on February the 23rd. Let's just make a month uh-huh. of it. Plug. Plugs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. All the best. And I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you soon at a show, I'm sure. I will definitely see you soon. I hope that you're, I hope you're feeling well. Well, by the way, because I think the last time I saw you in person, you were on your way to the hospital. You were loading me into uh, into the back of a car, which, thank you very much, by the way. Colin was very nice to offer to, to let me crash at his house if I got stuck in Birmingham. So, uh, appreciated that, mate. But, uh, yeah. He's got, he's, got, he's got the vibe of a man that helps the weak. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'm recovering well. Cheers, mate. Brilliant. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. I think we should, um, we should leave it on that joke because that was phenomenal I really enjoyed that <laughs> so yeah thank thank you guys so much and it's been an absolute pleasure hopefully I'll see you guys again later nice one Colin thanks mate are you ready oh hell yeah you fans can stick it brother who's your daddy Montreal, tell me he didn't just say that. Wunderbar. That was enjoyable, wasn't it, Jesse? It was lovely. Colin seems like a lovely, lovely man. He does. A very good commentator and announcer.
yes. and singer. He's, yeah. he's a multi-talented, beautiful person. He's a triple threat. And uh, yeah, I feel like he was a little bit uh, gutted that he didn't get to do a top five. Did you notice that? I know, I was thing at the end? You, just saw, you just signed him off. I was going to go like, right, what's your top five wrestlers? Quickly. And D, you, just, you just went, no, bye. Well, so I knew, I knew on, he had to... That's you. That's your fault. Shut I, up. I knew he had to be gone dead on this time, so I didn't want to... You know how long top fives take for, for the inexperienced, the uninitiated. This is true. We need to, yeah, people um, need to get with the program. I'm sure Colin would have been fine, though. But yeah, next time, we'll get him on again soon. We're going to have one again. And we're going to, yeah, berate him with top fives next time. Awesome. I like that. Love it. Mm. Let's do a top five. But do you have anything that you want to add first, Jesse? Yeah, sorry. I was just um, getting a bit distracted there because I was looking in front of me and looking at my um, beautiful monkey banana microphone that I'm currently speaking into. Um, Mine is white. Yours is red, I believe. And Mm. um, they are the best podcasting microphones you can get. They're also super cheap. They're like £60, I think, on Amazon currently. Um, you can find them on Amazon. You can find them on monkey-banana.de as well as podcasting microphones. They do studio monitors if you're in a band like Colin. Um, and they're just a, generally a fantastic company. So go look at Monkey Banana, you idiots. Beautiful up until the end. But well done. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we are doing a top five this week. Voted for by the people. So if you don't listen to this, you're idiots as Jesse said previously and it's top you five you know idiots really the only ones that aren't idiots are the ones that buy monkey banana that's what I say hey um, so we didn't buy them we got them for free what does that Shut make up. us Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing top five commentators which does sound boring and I thought it was going to be really boring but when I was doing my research <laughs> actually quite fun yeah actually brilliant well, I've got some I... good facts and some interesting things to say and do you want to know uh, what our crossover sound is this week it's, well, I'm going to set up first. Vincent McMahon's commentary, listen to the cadence of his voice for how excited he gets about Shawn Michaels' entrance music. I'm Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> it's brilliant. I, I found that, and so back to you. Yeah, another thing I'm responsible for because I'm brilliant. Um, In your house from... against Owen Hart. And your house gets Owen Hart. Owen Hart managed by Jim Cornette at the time. And yes. it's great because Vince being on commentary gives you a real... In- and the way he reacts to wrestlers gives you a real indication of who he's pushing to get over, right? Because he's like, he's the man who's in charge of everything. So when he talks like that, when someone comes out, like Shawn Michaels, you can tell that Shawn Michaels is going to be a star. One of my top fives later on because I'll forget by the time we get to it he's doing commentary with one of my picks and there's this referee who's like 50 pounds past obese and he just can't get down to the mat to count you can just hear Vince going why is he so slow why is he out of position he's so slow I never saw that referee again after that match wow well apparently you know they've got um, they've got a cough button all the commentators so they can basically mute themselves um, if they need to cough or sneeze or whatever I need that Um, Hey, I need that tonight. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, invest. Um, but um, I'll get onto the monkey banana guys. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, Vince has that. And apparently, when he was on commentary, I've heard like interviews with other people in the back, like Bruce Pritchard and people like that. He would just like put the cough mic on, scream at everything that was going wrong in the ring to the people backstage and the referee and stuff, and then just put it on and carry on his jovial commentary, which I really like the image of. 
<laughs> I like that as well. So you will hear Vince McMahon's cadence um, throughout the show if we have any crossovers whatsoever. Jesse's adamant that we're going to go four for five. I'm only feeling two, but what do I know? What do I know? What do you know? Maybe we'll meet in the middle with a nice round hat trick. Loving it. Um, who wants to go first? Would you? Do you want to do it? Because I took you yeah. in away from you. Yes, I do. Brilliant. Um, all right, I'm going to go first. And this one, I think, um, might be a crossover with you, but I, and it's not a very popular one with your average wrestling fan, but it's part of our golden era. You and me both love this era. And I think incredibly underrated is Taz. Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky. I knew it. They're right. We're now on number one. We're yeah, we're going five for five. You. <laughs> you reckon so? Is that one you didn't think I'd have? No, I didn't. I didn't think you'd uh, kind of put that one in. But uh, I was speaking to, to Colin before you came on, and we were just shooting the shit as the cool kids do. And yeah, well, I turn up whatever the fuck I want. And I he was saying how much he loves Taz and how underrated Taz is. So maybe this isn't a minority. Maybe it's a vast majority. Yeah, maybe. It's a, you just never hear him brought up anymore as no. a fantastic commentator. And he was when in a period when SmackDown was absolutely awesome as well. So I don't see why he's so overlooked. Yeah, completely. Even, even, even Michael Cole was good back there. Michael Cole was good with Taz. Yeah, they fed off each other and Taz somehow made him not seem like a massive nerd. Well, it's because, like what Colin was saying about him and Damien Dunn and how all of Damien Dunn's comedy is at his expense. And in many ways, I think a lot of mine is um, to you as well. Yep. And um, Taz would be like that with Michael Cole. He would call Michael Cole on when Michael Cole would say stupid things or nerdy things. Taz would call him on it. And now Michael Cole just does it and no one calls him on it. Yeah. So I mean, it, Michael it Cole works. as alpha is not good. Oh, God. He's the most beta man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I've literally written on my notes here. I love Taz as a commentator, and I know this might be controversial because I know others didn't like him. So I was, I was the same mindset as you. Look at that! We're like twins with the Anton Deck of wrestling. I've told you this so um, many times. So, <laughs> so, so um, t- tell me why you like Taz. I always liked the Quick way up. he <laughs> shut the fuck up. I always liked the way he um, would would explain moves in a very intelligent way. So I always remember WrestleMania 20 when Kurt Angle's been working on Eddie's leg for so long and then at the finish of the match Eddie starts undoing his laces and to Taz's brilliant credit he goes Eddie's ankle must be swelling up like how that's why he's undoing his laces to relieve the pressure and then it leads to the obvious finish of when Kurt comes in, grabs the ankle kicks the boot off, does the roll up and gets to win and just that little explanation as to why Eddie was doing it is, is genius. It's awesome. It's like um, they used to get Mike Tanay in for the cruiserweight matches in on Nitro, mm. um, and that was awesome because it felt like because cruiserweight, you know, these Japanese and Mexican wrestlers and stuff that hadn't really been seen on American telly before. This was like '96. Um, you'd get Mike Tanay in, who was sort of framed as this expert on cruiserweight wrestling and knew them all, and would talk about the history of the wrestlers and the moves that you weren't seeing on American telly in other matches. And Taz had that vibe about him with his sort of you know he's a former wrestler he had this sort of shoot gimmick um when he was a wrestler so you could believe him when he talks in detail about all the moves and stuff but unlike mike today sorry mike um taz has the added comedy chops and was very good at that as well yes completely and um also you and me i think we we'll speak about this the other day when when brock comes out and you get the well here comes the pain. Here comes the pain. Ah, oh, it's the best, man. So uh, best. Honestly, I was watching an old SmackDown um, last weekend. I decided I messaged you because it was Saturday morning. I had nothing to do. 
And I used to watch all my wrestling on a Saturday morning when I was a kid. It was always SmackDown on Sky, Saturday mornings. That was wrestling to me. So I thought, fuck it, I'm going to put on a like 2002, 2003 SmackDown on Saturday morning and just sit in my pants and enjoy it and pretend I'm a child again. And it was awesome. Yeah, and when Lesnar came out and I heard that, well, here comes the pain, it just added such a extra I don't know what it why did it add so much just saying that but it really did it just no, added yeah. an extra layer to Brock Lesnar it was yeah. awesome and he always used to sell when say for example he'd like pick up the big show and obviously as a kid that was an insane thing to kind of see and, and do but the way Taz kind of sold it was like the most brilliant feat a human being has ever performed in their life like it's 500 yeah. pounds and you're like holy shit that's insane it's awesome. And he and with it, this was obviously a diva, quite sexualized diva era. Mm. Um, and um, but Taz always would, you know, um, with Sable or Tory Wilson or whatever, he'd um, be I don't know how to word it, really. He'd be pervy, but not in a but in a sort of in a facetious, jokey, not in a king funny, way, like a childish way. Exactly. Not in a king way, which hasn't aged well at all. When you go back and listen to King now from like the early 2000s, it's horrendous. But, um, you know, in our sort of awoken lady era. Um, but Taz, you can go back and listen to him and it's fine because there's a level of innocence to it. And it's quite sweet, really. And um, and you do have Michael Cole playing off him. Um, sort of, all, sort of agreeing and laughing along, which sort of I think works more than Jr. Just uh, <laughs> looking at King like he's a bit of shit on his shin. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, yeah, it, it's it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint Taz in, in just what he bought. Just as we said, the believability, the comedy, he he had it all. And the fact that he's not really remembered is a shame because he was there in such, as you said, a prime time for SmackDown. And especially for when we were growing up, it, it's something that I remember, you know, super vividly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite cool as well that um, as a wrestler, he was a very, very serious character as a wrestler. And so no one really knew that he had this in him. Um, and it's just cool that he's managed. He showed that comedy after he had to retire. Much like Nigel McGuinness in many ways. He was a very um, serious gimmicked wrestler. And he's managed to... Um, show everyone through his commentary work that um, he's actually quite a funny chap as well yeah completely Totes did you have you watched the Nigel McGuinness documentary on the WWE Network yet no not yet get on with it it's really good yes boss good I know a lot of people have said similar as well Right, so, my number four, and I'll be interested if you do have this one, um, the voice of Jesse Ventura. Oh, he so nearly made my list, but he actually didn't. See, I knew we, I knew we wouldn't we'd go five for five. It's never happened, it never will happen. It's never, but I didn't say we'd go five for five. We're going to go four for five, brother, so this is the one that we don't have, and I reckon my number four is the only one on my list that you don't have. Bring it. So the voice of Ventura is probably one of my favourite commentary voices, without a doubt. Oh, brilla. <laughs> that was really good. Well done. And as I mentioned before, <laughs> from, this from was, one Jesse to another, <laughs> the partnership between Ventura and McMahon makes any match entertaining. They're like an old married couple when they used to kind of talk and stuff. It was absolutely brilliant. And the match I was talking about, I was watching, um, was between Coco Beware and Frenchie Martin. Do you remember Frenchie Martin? No, who's no one, Martin? No one does. It's fine. No, no. One. I remember Coco Beware. Yeah. And his parrot. This is not an exciting Have match. I told you about his parrot? Have I told you about Coco Beware and his parrot? I don't know. I don't think so. So Coco Beware's house burned down, right? And um, they're all out at the time, him and his family. 
Um, but um, when they got home, so the house on fire, the fire brigade's there, they're um, hosing it and stuff. The fireman rushes up to him and goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he goes, oh, God, no, that's okay. But, we'll, you know, we're all safe. And he went, no, one of your children was stuck in there. And I, we, I don't think we've got to him in time because we could hear him shouting. But, um, you know, there's no noise anymore. He must be dead. And they went, what? But all my kids are here. And it was the parrot, man. The parrot was screaming for help in the house. What? Yes. The parrot was screaming for help. All the fire people thought it was one of his kids. That's dark. That's like Ace Ventura. Help! Help! <laughs> now I'm just bit, now I'm just picturing Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, he is on fire at one bit in Aladdin, isn't he? Exactly. I'm, just, I'm picturing like, the same yeah. screams. <laughs> but Coco, yeah, but so that's that's the legend. I like that. I like that little fact you dropped in there. But Coco Beware and Frenchie Martin, they the match is not exciting at all. In fact, the crowd just start chanting "boring." But it's the greatest oh, man, commentary. Really? This must have been in the eighties or yeah. early nineties. Yeah, they chanting "boring." That's yeah. horrendous. I know, right? Um, but I absolutely love the commentary between Ventura and McMahon. It's like the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. Just that. I'll upload it on the Twitter later so can everyone can hear it, what I mean. But it's just from st- from start to finish, and especially when Vince gets annoyed at the fat referee for not doing his job prep properly. Um, it, it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, Jesse Ventura has always just had that kind of gravitas to him that you just listen to everything he said and uh, he's one of my favourite voices I found some some two interesting facts about Ventura that I don't know if you'll know about so just one of, one of them involved Minnesota it does not actually yes it does no. the first one does no, there you go so he wasn't making a great money for most of the 70s um, so he moonlit as a security guard and his bodyguard duties included uh, keeping an eye on the Rolling Stones for several of their tours in the late 70s and early 80s when he did become governor of Minnesota Ventura's first <laughs> proclamation as governor was in February 99 and he declared it Rolling Stones Day in Minnesota and he got to meet Keith awesome. Richards uh, he told Keith Richards that he previously acted as bodyguard and Richard's response was you bodyguarded for us in 81 and now you're the governor fucking great country mate (laughs) and I was like that's brilliant and the second fact which I didn't realise was the reason he left WF and the most random reason for leaving the WF there was a 16-bit console war that was happening and this was responsible for Ventura leaving so it was a war between Nintendo and Sega during the early 90s and apparently was, Sega does what Nintendo that was their um, that was their advertising that was their game, oh, that is bitter then that is it's good isn't it yeah. Sega does what Nintendo don't I like that. And it led to the breakup of the commentary team because during the early 90s, WF had a deal with Acclaim, um, but mostly focused on releasing games for Nintendo platforms. Jesse managed to line up his own deal for a game on the Sega Genesis. When Vince told Jesse the Genesis game wouldn't fly, Jesse told him to cram it with walnuts and quit the company. And unfortunately for Ventura, it was somewhat of a hollow victory as his Genesis game never materialized. And it did exist in some form. Uh, in recent years, it's been discovered through screenshots and stuff. And it was going to be called Jesse the Body Ventura Wrestling Superstars. But little was known about the game and it caused him to leave the WF. Mad that, right? Someone has got a ROM of that somewhere. A developer, an old game developer from the 90s or something. And you want it. Someone has that and I want it. Mm-hmm someone's got to have that their games pop up all the time man there's like this lost um sonic game that popped up um just a couple of weeks ago from the genesis era that has suddenly appeared online and people have found it 
uh, yeah, this game is going to appear one day, and I, for one, can't wait. Yeah, Jesse's in a bit of a old-school gaming collecting mood at the moment, so I probably shouldn't have told you that I've story. Spent, oh, I've spent so much money, Max. So much money. <laughs> so much you came money. down to Brighton, first thing you did was we had to go to a retro game shop so we could find Mega Drive games. I will suck for Sega. <laughs> <laughs> What was my one rule? <laughs> oh, beautiful. What's your... Uh... <laughs> oh, you're making me come. There we go. Um, my number four... Oh, another thing about Jesse Ventura before we move on. A thing I always appreciated about him. Um, whenever the champion came out first, he would always call it, which I agree with. He would always, you know, the champion should never come out first, Goldbrilla. <laughs> and it's true. And I hate it when champions come out first. They should always be the last entrant to the ring. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've installed that in me as well. I never used to really notice. Now it drives me absolutely batshit. Yeah, New Japan are good at it. They oh, Their champion always comes out second. Yeah. But, um, yeah, WE have not. Uh, the, the last Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> they didn't. Uh, did you notice that um, they didn't do the um, you know just before the IWGP heavyweight title match they normally show yes. do that graphic yes. where they show every former champion they didn't do it this year that's like one of my favourite bits in New Japan yeah apparently uh, that's come from Harold Mage himself where he wants to get rid of that and uh, hey Harold yeah. shut up your ass <laughs> <laughs> But you're right, it, it was so cool to see, like, everyone's that come previously. I wish WWE would do it. But then you have to see, like, Jinder. And we'd all Benoit. rather forget. Yeah. You have to see... And I suppose you wouldn't have to see Benoit, because um, they don't really have the world title anymore, do they? So they would just do the WWE champions, I suppose. Yeah, which has been, like, 50 um, people. Yeah, 50... No, it is just 50, isn't it? 50 different people, because Jinder was the 50th. 50th person to be WWE champion yeah. and AJ Styles had been before and after and Daniel Bryan had obviously Bryan. been before and after uh, yeah very good uh, my number four which is the one I don't think will be on your list is the voice of WCW Tony Schiavone oh my god my number three baby Really? So I'm glad you're going you down in order. Surname? Tony Schiavone. Schiavone. I, I completely brain farted just It's then. when you read you it. Tell, could you tell? Yeah, no, I do the same because like, I know it as, if I don't look at it, I know it's Tony Schiavone was like the voice of WCW. But when you read it, you go, Schiavone? Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I was <laughs> um, I, I was messaging you earlier, wasn't I? Because I'm going to Amsterdam next week, so I was trying to brush up on my Dutch. <laughs> I was like, okay, what's hello? Was, hello, hello. <laughs> okay, cool, this is easy. And then I looked at please, and I was like, oh, this won't be as easy as I thought because please looks like a stroke victim has just punched the keyboard. <laughs> and anyway, um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm surprised he's on your list because you're not much of a WCW one. Well, you forget it was like my childhood WCW. You know, oh, yes. you know when I used to watch as a kid on old Channel 5, Tony Schiavone was the, was the voice I associated with wrestling. He was, for those who don't know, he was the JR of WCW. He was uh, very much so. the, the, mem- the moment man. Yeah, he was. And I didn't appreciate him as a kid at all. And it's actually, in fact, he annoyed me a bit when I was a kid. And it's only been since... I've been re-watching WCW as a grown-up, you know, since the network came out in the last few years, and I've been going back on old nitros and stuff, which has been, um, without exaggeration, one of the best things I've ever done with my adult life. Um, 
I realised the genius of Tony Shavadudubindi. He just sort of exudes this um, sort of authority when he's talking and his play-by-play is just so good. And yeah, very underrated because obviously he's a w- he was a WCW man who didn't come over to WE, so they're the people that, um, that WE don't talk about. But it's a shame because yeah. he's awesome. He was no-nonsense. He was a straight-man approach, clear dictation. It was it was everything you needed in a commentary man. I didn't realize best he, part of his sorry God. I didn't realize he was uh, he did have a stint in WF uh, before he joined WCW for a year, and then they uh, let him go. I yeah I didn't know that either. Um, I, th- I, th- I feel like I've seen footage of it actually um, in like the Monday Night Wars docs on the network and stuff. I think they touch on it slightly there. But um, yeah, I, I certainly wasn't watching WWF when Tony Schiavone was involved, but. Um, the best um, you got at you first what's your favourite Tony Schiavone commentary moment well I was going to say I was going to talk about in my notes the most famous right. Schiavone moment with Foley uh, yeah okay I mean yeah that's um, a sort of foot in mouth moment isn't it well this is what I was going to mention because um, so for those who don't know WCW was beating WF in, in the ratings wars, the Monday Night Wars at the time, and Raw was on a pre-tape, so WCW knew, and a tactic that Bischoff used to do was to tell commentators to tell them the finishes. So that night, after they'd been losing for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, Giovanni gave away that uh, in their main event tonight, don't change the channel to our uh, competitors because Mick Foley is going to win their world title. That's going to put some butts in seats. And... So Foley learned about this, phoned Shivani to talk about it, and um, it's really hard saying his name over and over again. He, yeah, he right. called Foley back, and he told Foley that Bischoff had ordered him to reveal the title winner of the air, and as we will now now know famously, it backfired. Immediately after he said that, uh, spoiled the title win. 600,000 households switched from Nitro to Raw to watch Foley win the title, and this gave WF the ratings win for the night with a 5.7 to Nitro's 5.0 WCW's ratings never saw more than a 5 going head to head with Raw again and then they sank below 5 eventually down to 3 and eventually as we all know the end of WCW and that's this is always the, the pinpoint iconic moment in yeah in WWS narrative it certainly is yeah. um, but um, yeah no it's true and it's a shame my favourite bit about that is um, you missed out when he talks about he says oh you know um, Mankind who wrestled here as Cactus Jack wins their title uh, he says uh, how he started well, he says over at the World Whining Federation <laughs> <laughs> which I like and also I watched um, a um, a Nitro that was on just before one of their World War 3s um, I never understood that, by the way, when I was a kid. Surely the first one's World War Three, and then the next one, the next year, should be World War Four, and you should go up like that. But um, yeah, it was one of their World War Threes, and it was on in January. Uh, you know, the, the whole point of their um, World War Threes was to outdo Royal Rumble. And Tony Schiavone says on commentary, "Yeah, I mean, if you're even um, considering watching that Royal Fumble." So he was good at his dad joke puns. I really enjoyed he that. He was. That, they were appreciated. What, what's your favourite call, then uh, from Shivani? My favourite call from Shivion <laughs> is, um, <laughs> is when um, um, the night that Hulk Hogan turned heel and joined the NWO, um, and then Hogan does his talk in the ring with Mean Gene. Look at all that crap in this ring and all that. And then... Um, 
when the show, how he signs the show off, how Tony Schiavone signs the show off, how it goes off there, the camera is on them, um, Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and there was someone else at the table. I can't remember who it was. Dusty Rhodes, I think. Um, and um, they're, they're all just sitting there. And Tony Schiavone just plays it perfectly because he's at a loss for words. It's such a massive thing that Hogan has turned heel. And he just goes... Well, you know, just gives up. He's uh, well, from all of us, this was WCW. Uh, Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. And it's just done so seriously. And he's just, he just sort of just shrugs and get, you know, was, and he's like, and like, it's inferred, like, there's nothing worth, why am I doing this? There's nothing worth fighting for anymore. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, this, the worst has happened. And it's just, watch it if you can't um, remember it or if you've never seen it, because it's brilliant. Just the end, just the last 30 seconds of that show is brilliant just the way he plays yeah. it is amazing nice I like that this is a weird fact I didn't know about him after WCW and the war I always like saying after the war because it makes it sound for people who don't know wrestling it's just like <laughs> you weren't there you weren't there man you didn't live through it so after the war he went and worked at Starbucks <laughs> like not even as like a manager just a barista cleaning the floors clean. like this is right after WCW closed their doors and there's an interview with him where he said I started working for Starbucks because I had some extra time not because I was desperate and needed money but I loved Starbucks and I had extra time on my hands and I thought you know what I'm going to give it a shot and I did it for 15 months and thoroughly enjoyed it and you know and you know what the hell why not yeah totally but imagine just like after the war and you're a wrestling fan and you go in and get a pumpkin spice latte out of Tony Giovanni and he in that voice yeah, that'd be amazing. What's the name of the wrestler? Um, I, I've completely blanked his name. He was the um, he was famous in ECW for he came in as the NWA champion and like threw the belt on the floor, or, like stamped on the belt and said it meant nothing. Who am I thinking of? Uh, I always hate when people do this to me because like I can't think of it, and then all knowledge in my head immediately goes, "You're fucked. You're not going to help anyone." Uh, Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas. Remember Shane Douglas? I do remember Shane Douglas. um, After his wrestling career ended, he went and worked in um, Walmart. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) He's very much a real-life Mickey Rourke wrestler character, sort of working that day job and doing those indies and being loved on those indie shows, but then going back to Walmart and being sad. Oh, Oh, now I'm just thinking of the wrestler. You know what my favourite yes. bit in that movie is? I need to watch that, man. I need to watch that again. I haven't seen that for a few years. And we've been speaking about Marissa Tomei quite a lot this week. So, uh... Ah, Marissa Tomei is so hot, it's not even a joke. Right. But my favourite moment of that whole movie is when he's walking around the back of like the, the Walmart, the deli counter, wherever he works and stuff, and they pipe in the crowd and he's like getting warmed up. And he goes through like the the curtain into the back of their stock room and he steps through the curtain and the music just cuts off. The cheer. Yeah, and he's... Yeah, he's alone, and I'm like, oh, I fucking love that movie so much. That is awesome, and so many cameos like Cesaro's in it, our truths in it. Yeah, all these and all these sort of loads of faces that you wouldn't have necessarily known watching the wrestler back in 07 or whenever the hell it came out, um, but you would definitely know now. Cesaro with long hair, I think. And um, jumping back to Tony before we move on, um, uh, have you listened to his podcast? No, I was going to bring that up actually. So he has a podcast with um, Conrad, who does podcasts with everyone in the world. Yeah, savage and, bitch. Um, he's, yeah, fair play to him. Yeah. And he's um, married to a flair daughter. Um, not that one. 
and um yeah the show with tony shivani is um really funny because you say about that voice and he's still got that voice he sounds exactly the same but like he's swearing and stuff and that voice doesn't suit swears yeah i mean well yeah you know him so much for so many years as kind of like a respected announcer yeah just be weird also and also he doesn't remember so bruce pritchard when comrade does this show with bruce pritchard bruce pritchard has the good grace to if he doesn't remember something he'll bullshit or make something up or something like that um tony shivani like um Conrad will ask him this really deep, interesting question about a really important moment in WCW. And Tony Shavani's just like, yeah, I, I can't remember. I've got, I've got no memory of that. <laughs> and they like, oh, okay. <laughs> we just move on. <laughs> Brilliant. I like that. <laughs> it was good. Okay. My number two, flying through this one, which is good because we had a long interview. Yeah, exactly. No, it's good. This is a good paced show. I like it. I'm feeling good today. Can you tell? Yeah, you're, you're, in, a, you're in a perky one. In high spirits. Maybe this will get the listeners back. <clears throat> yeah, you bitches. <laughs> don't like our adverts at the start I'm not bitter it's fine that's fine that's why we seamlessly um, threw them in the middle no one even noticed people are buying um, monkey banana stuff and subscribing to fight TV and not even knowing power why like, TV. we subliminally got in their head sorry power slam TV no fight subject someone else <laughs> you can edit that <laughs> listening to power uh, they're subscribing sorry, to power slam you TV. fucked it you fucked it it's all and, good do it in post oh we can say goodbye to them <laughs> it was nice while it lasted my number two is um, the one of my f- absolute favourite commentator actually no scratch that my favourite commentator at the moment working today is the sexy voiced Mara Ronaldo excellent shout and not on my list yes. it's all I care oh, about. so I'm, I'm going with three it's going to be three then like I said it's going to be a nice hat trick nice hat trick in the middle yeah you're confident on number one I mean it's like when we did cruiserweights and you can't name anyone but Rey Mysterio is number one yeah yeah exactly. it's just standard so oh Rey Mysterio before we sorry I know we don't like to talk about stuff that's happening right now that much because we don't like to date the shows um, but Rey Mysterio against Andre Cien Almas on Smackdown last week the dude did you see that movie did when he sort of he slid out the ring under the bottom rope and then basically hit a sunset flip powerbomb yeah. on Andre Cianamas on the outside yeah. by sliding out the ring the dude's like in the twilight of his career he's been wrestling since before or around the same time we were born and he's still busting out shit like that that I've never seen anyone do before he's made a deal with the devil somewhere along the line because the Rey Mysterio I saw who left WWE and the one that's come back is not the same person he's in the best shape of his life he's doing shit I've never seen before someone did a side by side of where he does this um, step up into the middle rope uh, planche over into the hurricane head scissors which he did against psychosis and then they put it when he did it with Andre Andrade sorry and they're almost identical man how can you how can anyone not appreciate Rey Mysterio I know everyone goes on about Chris Jericho and stuff because of you know his longevity and stuff and how he's changed himself Rey hasn't needed to change himself and he's just remained this absolute staple in wrestling and he's it'll be a sad day when he retires but it's so cool that he's just as good as he ever was yeah what a dude i love he hasn't toned down and i'm loving the idea of him and andrade working together and like andrade being built up as the next uh latina star they're they're just fantastic together two out of three falls match was unbelievable and this was all given away on smackdown 
Yeah, so good. Is um, is Ray going to be in the Rumble or has he got a Rumble match? I can't remember. No, he's in the Rumble. Good. Yeah, he'll have a good show in there, I think. Yeah, I want to see him and uh, Andrade as one and two. Give, uh, give us another little tease going into... And then, yeah, fuck it. Give him a mania. I don't give a shit. Yeah, man. God, Ray, we love you. you know. But more... Sorry, as you Ronaldo. It's another yes. one where, like, I know his name. I say it every single week, but if you read it, it throws you off. More of Ronaldo. Yeah, I know you <laughs> so he's the lead announcer on NXT as everyone knows and he's considered amongst everyone as one of the best uh, announcers in a very very long time and he is you know drawing from his experience in MMA he just does the best job like we were saying with Taz earlier he puts integrity into the wrestling he will make you believe yes. anything that's happening in that ring and he'll get you just as pumped like for a normal kind of match but you'll be on the edge of your seat if uh, if Ronaldo's on his game for takeover which he is every single time and his hype levels have you ever watched the ones where they do um, they like GoPro at the announce tables and they just film Ronaldo getting invested into it oh man you, you, you need if you like them you need to watch this Nigel McGuinness documentary on the network done are you getting there's paid great, or there's, something? Uh, there's a great moment of that. No, sorry, it's just really good. Well, I love Nigel. I've always loved Nigel McGuinness. He's just he's awesome as a wrestler and a commentator and a person. He's just a man. He's he was dealt a shit hand in his career, but was still amazing. And um, it just yeah, I think they just do a really nice job of covering his career. It's worth watching. Yeah, please do. But the videos of uh, Ronaldo when he's just getting so invested and and like screaming, watching at the monitor and stuff, and it happened to me. So I was at the NXT at the Royal Abbott Hall when they, were, when they were doing the filming and stuff and I was right above commentary so I looked down and I could see commentary for one match I ended up just watching him <laughs> he was just like bouncing up and down in his seat non-stop and uh, right before the cameras went live he was just doing this little dance and just dicking with Nigel and just kept dancing and then went live mm-hmm. and he was like welcome to NXT like immediately and I was like true I love man. you for that I really do yeah um, and as I said at takeovers he just he gives a big fight feel I don't know if it's the voice or what it is but every match has a big fight feel about it I think it's def- it's the voice and the knowledge. Like, like we were saying about Taz you can tell Mauro Ronaldo knows his shit he knows all the moves and he knows exactly what all the moves are called. He's done his research on every wrestler on the card and knows their history. And that combined with his awesome sportscaster style voice um, just makes for makes for a be- much better show. Yeah, and you can tell he's a fan and always was. I didn't know that he used to do commentary like back in college and stuff and, and work for a couple of promotions around Canada before he went into kind of like the, um, the MMA and all that kind of background, the journalist side uh, of things and the MMA commentary. He So he's always been a fan of wrestling and, and that shows in the way he talks. Like you can hire a guy who's, who's a journalist, but I, I do think you need an absolute passion to get into it like purely um and he's he's also a great role model for people who suffer from like depression and bipolar he's been such a um outspoken you know publicly speaking about issues with mental illness which which a lot of people don't talk about and he does such a great platform um to to kind of advocate that and in a non-apologetic way he doesn't tiptoe around it at all and that's something i really respect as well yeah totally yeah more people need to do that i think there'd be less um 
less tragedy going down if more people were like yeah exactly and a weird fact that I didn't know it was uh, it was actually Michael Cole who first made contact with Ronaldo uh, back in 2015 about the possibility of coming to WE so we've got Michael Cole to thank for it uh, as being a big push and Ronaldo stated that he was really confused when he saw that Cole followed him on Twitter and uh, he contacted him and said uh, would you be interested in pursuing some employment possibilities with WE Nice. So, cheers, Michael Cole. Cheers, Mike. And Michael Cole. Um, uh, uh, Michael Cole um, also got Nigel McGuinness the job, um, as is documented in the WWE <laughs> which you can get for nine ninety nine. You can get for nine ninety nine. It's worth it. It's nine ninety nine for this month. Is worth it for that Nigel McGuinness stock. And you got the Royal Rumble coming up. Man, yeah, come on, Vince. We're getting you some subscribers, mate. Help us out, or or Michael. He seems yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk to Michael. Iris, we're the Anton Deck of wrestling. Get us in. (laughs) Imagine us backstage doing Anton Deck style stuff, like presenting with interviewing wrestlers, like doing promos backstage and stuff. That'd be money. You know, in like Britain's Got Talent or whatever, and they're just like waiting at the curtain, and they're all like nervous and stuff. Just imagine us doing that. (laughs) turning around talking and then we will be like who are they talking to there's no camera there yeah. <laughs> that would be so good but it needs to happen let's just find <laughs> let's find anyone let's just find an indie fed or something and um, Anton Deck for okay that's how we're selling the emails who's Anton who's Deck uh, you're definitely going to develop the drug problem and I really want to work with Holly Willoughby so and you're the and you're the you're the closeted homosexual <laughs> guilty yes <laughs> Cool. No, I'm down with it. It's true on both counts. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> you'll go. My go. Um, I'm on my number three. Um, Keep up. So, How are you? I know. So, oh, I'm just hey. going to sit quietly for the I've next done, uh, three then, shall I? Yeah. I've done Taz and Tony Chavion. <laughs> so um, now I've got um, my number three, which is, we talked about him a bit, the big man himself, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. No, what about he's amazing he is amazing he was so to all you kids listening who um, never witnessed Vince McMahon when he wasn't publicly the owner of the company and was instead just your play-by-play guy much like Michael Cole is now uh, he was just yeah he was brilliant he would just like well, his, he was over enthusiastic and cartoony which is funny as we can hear in the crossover drop um, play it again please Max I know it's not a crossover but can you just play it anyway it's literally so, so into it live from Louis Vokotoki <laughs> he's got two voices and they just yeah I have no idea how it happens and oh, it's, he's just so good and he did his play by play stuff well he was underrated for his humour I think particularly when he was with King and, and Jesse Ventura as you mentioned um, there was some good good comedy going on there he'd be quite funny and sort of put them down in a sort of fun way um, he it, because he was running the company backstage we know that now the beauty of hindsight you listen to it and you think oh okay so what Vince is saying right now is exactly what he wants us as viewers to um, take in and that's quite helpful really when you could you know exactly what they're going for when the guy that came up with it is explaining it to you as it happens yeah right? um, so there's nothing lost in translation and 
he's just great and I really enjoyed 97 as I believe we've talked about before is one of my favourite years in WWF history um, and that's the year that Vince McMahon transitioned from commentator to publicly being the chairman of the company and you know Austin's um, nemesis and yeah the Mr McMahon and yeah exactly and um, but that that sort of transition with um, Brett and stuff um, is great the sort of going from commentary and then getting in the ring with the Tyson stuff with Stone Cold is when he'd sort of get in the ring and then shouting at Stone Cold when Stone Cold started fighting Tyson you ruined it you ruined it and all this um, and you start to see this other side of this guy that you've known for years as this sort of play by play but yeah, no, he, he, was just, he was just great. He was really good. Anyone who hasn't properly listened to Vince McMahon on commentary back in the day before it was known that he was the chairman, you know, it's a different Vince and it's really yeah, good. I, w- I will be sharing the uh, the Jesse Body Ventura and Vince McMahon uh, commentary on that one particular match because I really need you all to hear it. It's so funny. Awesome. Excellent choice. Um, hit me with your number two, Dan, and we'll do number one together. Okay, um, I hope we're both on the same wavelength here. Um, my no, number two, awkward, who, yeah, um, my number two, who very nearly was was my number one, but my number one only because he had a more direct impact on me um, as a child and my wrestling fandom. But, um, but my number two is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Rest in peace. Excellent choice. Thank you very much. Um, Bobby the Brain, um, obviously, everyone knows how amazing he is. Again, kids, go back. Um, I've been watching a lot of primetime wrestling recently. Have you watched any primetime wrestling? I've not watched primetime wrestling. Bobby and Gorilla. There's loads of it on the network, years and years. And it's it's amazing. It's like a um, it's like a talk show, but it's it's just it's just Bobby the Brain and Gorilla sitting yes. there talking to the camera and each other in a studio. This match I'm going to show on Twitter is from from primetime, and um, when they throw to commercial break, it will go to Gorilla in this like SMTV kind of nineties yeah. Um, yeah talk room, and then it'll be like we'll be right yeah, back yeah, yeah. after this break and see what happens in this match. Yeah, and they bring it. Yeah, they bring in and they just show the highlights of matches that have happened that week. Because this was pre raw right? There wasn't a. This was your weekly television show so it would just be showing you highlights to keep people up to date who won't go into the live shows and it's it's just brilliant you could put on honestly any one of those episodes and Bobby Heenan and Gorilla you know because they're a great team but Bobby Heenan's delivering the comedy and every episode is just hilarious and Bobby the Brain just doesn't let up he's just yeah funny on every episode some great quotes you don't even have to be a wrestling fan to sit there and enjoy it because Bobby the Brain Heenan was so funny um and smart with his humour that he could have succeeded in anything he could have been a talk show host he could have been a stand-up comedian he could have been a radio star he just happened to choose wrestling but he had the ability to just he just had that personality he could turn his hand to anything and that's what makes primetime so good as a show now as for his commentary during matches um, I always point to Royal Rumble 92 we talked about it last week I believe as just the greatest um uh, commentary performance ever. Uh, what, what did you laugh for? But I no, it, it's just because immediately popped into my head what we were talking about. Of, it's a skirt when he's talking about it's Roddy Piper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And his selling of um, again, we talked about it in the last show, but his uh, selling of Ric Flair throughout the whole match because he really wants Ric Flair to win, and Ric Flair comes out at three, and his sort of how annoyed he is at that, and how sad. And yeah, just it's it's fantastic. And actually, Royal Rumble '93, if you've ever watched it. Um, was it was the last Royal Rumble or the last pay-per-view that Bobby Heenan ever commentated on for the WWF 
before he jumps WCW. And um, it's a terrible rumble, um, wrestling quality-wise, but the commentary is fantastic. Bobby Heenan just takes the piss out of everything that's happening, and it's brilliant. It's very, very funny and well worth listening to. Nice. I like the sound of that. Uh, yeah, and obviously, Heenan, when it comes to, to Hulk Hogan and all that kind of stuff as well, he's just too funny and just too good at his job where he's amazing what a cruel twist of fate that the guy dies prematurely of um, not only cancer which is sad enough but a cancer that leaves him unable to talk for the last few years yeah. of his life when the man was the best talker ever and you th- and in this podcast era give Bobby Heenan with a podcast man he could talk about anything and I would listen every yeah. day like it just anything it, it wouldn't have to be a wrestling podcast he could just sit there and chat about what's going on in the news he could get guests any guests he could just talk about anything and he would make it the most entertaining thing you've ever heard yeah yeah he he was almost like a different person when he like passed away which was such a shame because as you say the voice was so iconic and the the quick wittedness he would have made an absolute killing in uh in today's market I watched um, I watched an old Slammies from the early. In fact, it was these Slammies that had um, Vince McMahon singing "Stand Back" Brilliant. on it. And um, yeah, Bobby Heenan was there, and it was when he had his neck trouble, so he was in his neck brace. Um, but he had a bow tie um, <laughs> onto the neck, <laughs> which I thought was amazing. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's just little things like that, and like he'll do that, and he won't ever acknowledge it or you know make a thing of it. It'll just be there, and that makes it funnier. Oh, Bobby Heenan, you treasure, and him and uh, him and Monsoon. There's not been a, a better better teaming. So. So, so just honestly go if you're ever at a loose end just put on any any episode just close your eyes and scroll on primetime wrestling and just whack on anyone and they're, they're all brilliant they're just so funny there we go so uh number one then i think it's uh safe to say that uh we've got the same one am, am i correct i'm gonna say i believe good old so. jr jr jim ross Boomer I'm so sorry, everyone, I tell you? that we... Please. This is, like, the first time in ages that you and me have had, like, crossovers, and we've got the most longest, the most annoying crossover sound ever. <laughs> it's not annoying, it's brilliant. And we found that it was needed. We've been um, we've been very over the top of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. But, um, we just I, find it very funny. It is good. Um, and that, his commentary throughout that whole match is worth listening to, Vince McMahon's. Um, did I tell you, talking about JR now, who obviously is our favourite... Um, uh, did I tell you that Bobby's some of Bobby's family stayed with us a few weeks ago and they are um, American they're from Texas um, but one of the kids who was staying um, went to university in Oklahoma and nice. uh, yeah so so he said that and almost as a knee-jerk reaction because of JR um, he said oh yeah University of Oklahoma and I went oh Boomer Sooner and he went yeah Boomer Sooner and then started talking to me about college football and I, oh, no. I, I had to stop him really quickly I was like I'm so sorry mate I don't even know what Boomer Sooner means <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> I, I just say it because I heard JR say it that's all that's my only point of reference and I know it's got something to do with Oklahoma but yeah it turns oh, out yeah. it's the college football but he got very excited and then very disappointed quite quickly yeah you broke that little Texan boy's heart <laughs> exactly you're going to Texas in a couple of months. Just uh, just walk around saying it and see what kind of reactions you get. I think just shout boomer sooner at people. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I'd be better off doing that in Oklahoma, wouldn't I? True, but like I, I just want to get some reactions. All right, you know. I'll um, I'll film some reactions and we'll put them on the YouTube's. 
Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, Jim Ross, he, he's the voice of WF. He's the most famous example uh, of people knowing a wrestling commentator, I would say. He's he's what everyone knows. He uh, commented from for the NWA back in 74, which is where he found his love for wrestling. And he, the thing with JR, he can call wrestling at such a blistering pace of wrestling matches, but never get tripped up on himself. Could in his heyday. In his heyday, yeah. Like, cerebral palsy happens and uh, shit goes down the pan. <laughs> he hasn't got cerebral palsy. He's got... Um, oh, God, what's it called? Um, it's not cerebral palsy. That's the wrong thing. That's the muscle weight. Bell's palsy. Bell's Sorry. palsy. <laughs> cerebral palsy. It's been um, a long day for me. There's a, um, there's a punk band that I used to be quite a big fan of from New York, I believe, and they were called Cerebral Ballsy, which I thought was a brilliant name. So edgy, so edgy. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's funny though. Um, and uh, Jim Ross's phrases, you know, as we mentioned, Boomer Sooner has got Jesse connecting with people from the States. And the famous example is Kevin Owens learning English from watching JR's commentary and believing that Slobberknocker was a genuine term of, uh, of English. A genuine term, yeah. And he learned things like, um, like the, well, the human anatomy. <laughs> he learned quite quickly in English because of... Um, the way JR commentates, especially when people are in submissions, you learn that pretty quick. It's very true. And the most famous line, which I think even non-wrestling fans will know, Mankind versus Undertaker, as God is my witness, he is broken in half when yeah. Mankind gets thrown off the top of the cell. Very famous. Do you remember when we were about... Uh, <laughs> we're, we're being very vague about JR here, but everyone knows who he is and how good he is, surely, so we don't have to go into yeah. super detail. Um, but uh, do you remember um, when a YouTube video went viral in, like, 2005 or 2006 of, of JR, my ass? Yes. Yes, yes, I do. men will enter my ass um, and all that. And it was like someone had just chopped up JR stuff and saying my ass and uh, made it a rap. And it was funny. Um, but that video got so over, right, that um, one of the most um, successful AMAs, Ask Me Anythings, that um, Reddit have ever done on Square Circle was with the guy that made that YouTube video brilliant yeah like, it was like hi i'm the guy that made the jr my ass video ask me anything everyone's like yes we will and um, <laughs> really and it was like a real hit how amazing is that well and and it's something that you feel like just you you and me would have found or me and some friends but yeah that that shit was worldwide it was global loved it loved you know it. what I'm, you know what i'm listening to at the moment by coincidence there's a lot of coincidences this week twitter vote for us commentators when we get a commentator as a guest and also this right. week i started listening to jr's audiobook ah, ah so um, how is it uh it's good but i think i'd rather read it because jr for how amazing he is a commentator the man cannot read <laughs> I mean, he can really? obviously, but like, he, but he read. You know when some, you know, all like children. You know when children read out. It's like once upon a time there was a dog, and they've got that sort of hesitation while they're talking, and it's not natural. Yeah. That's how Jr. reads his audiobook. That's weird. Yeah, and it's like you're one of the greatest talkers of all time. Why are you talking like that? And you wrote this. It's not like you're reading someone else's thing. You're <laughs> talking. This is your life. You yeah, and it's almost on. like like he tell he does like a little joke in his book, but he delivers it wrong because it's all like he didn't know that the joke was coming. So like it's like he wasn't expecting the full stop, and then you hear him sort of go, uh, uh. And then <laughs> he starts the next <laughs> It's really weird. Oh dear. Oh, I love you, JR. Yeah, maybe maybe stick to reading it will be a good one. Um 
the fact I didn't know about JR um, until I was researching all of this. So during WrestleMania 15, Rock and Stone Cold kind of deal, um, JR had been out with a Bowel's Palsy issue. Nailed at that time. Uh, he'd been suffering <laughs> from a bad bout of it. But uh, the Rock and Stone Cold really wanted him to call their match. And he was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. He was holding, like while calling the match, he was holding the paralyzed side of his face up with his hand while announcing so the words would come out of his mouth clearly and it had been so bad like the night before and following he had to tape his eyes shut to get some sleep Jesus that, how much of a dedication is that you know your friend's begging you it's like no I'm very ill and you're like fuck it fine I'll do it and you're holding your mouth up so you can talk properly that anecdote is how JR starts his book that is the first page of his book see and didn't I deliver it in a much more entertaining way you did see yeah you said it naturally but you know um I have an ex-girlfriend whose mum has Bell's palsy and um, it is no laughing matter. It is. It's hilarious. Horrible person. Another fact. <laughs> and she wasn't a girlfriend. She was a one-night stand. Who are you kidding? And another fact. What? Who, who do you think I'm talking about? Oh, we'll talk about it off air. Okay. <laughs> Name names. Um, so this is something I really didn't know. He has a massive fondness for John Wayne memorabilia. Yes. And I did not know this. So in his, his cookbook, apparently, True Ringside Tales, Barbecue and Down Home Recipes, JR reveals that his father had been a huge fan of John Wayne and much like the football, it was passed on to JR. Uh, some of his prized possession include one of John Wayne's cigarette lighters, a personally worn monogram shirt and three pairs of cufflinks, one of which he'd wear every year at WrestleMania. Ah, oh, that's nice. Uh, JR's barbecue sauce when I go to Texas that's something I'm going to hunt down that's in supermarkets over there right must be must be so there was a period when um, JR's barbecue sauce was sold on wweshop.com and um, I, I have a friend um, who um, bought some t-shirts from wweshop.com and thought fuck it I'll throw in some JR's barbecue sauce while I'm there and uh, forget, forgetting or not knowing, and I wouldn't have thought about it either, I don't think, if I was there, it's a little impulse buy. But when you import food or drink from America, there are, especially when you're like 14 years old um, and don't have much money, the tax on that is horrendous. The like, import tax. And just for, so he ended up having to pay like an extra 30 quid or something that he didn't really have as a 14 year old um, just to get this little tube of barbecue sauce or whatever it was. <laughs> And yeah, he was, and I was like, "Oh, that was the sauce," and he just went, "That was shit." <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless! I'm gonna I'm make sure a guess as, yeah, I'll make a guess as to which friend that was off there. <laughs> okay, um, but um, yeah, JR's barbecue sauce. I'm gonna find in America and Broken Skull IPA, Stone Cold Beer. I want to try that as well. Nice. Can you uh, can you do a little Got Till Five uh, vlog? Would, would you vlog for us? I'll vlog for you um, yeah when I'm over there uh, exclusively on wrestling food and drink yeah and then I want you to get into a uh, Booker T Stone Cold style fight in a supermarket which when you watch that not thinking Look, of it as a wrestling thing looks like a hate crime yeah it looks like yeah. a hate crime <laughs> 100% just watch it with the sound off with the commentary off and watch people get uncomfortable as they walk in Booker T gets flour thrown in his face it's awkward I'm pretty sure my mum literally walked in on me when I was watching that once and just like I can explain yeah exactly just slowly turned around and walked out like that yeah. it would have been less awkward if she'd walked in and I was masturbating <laughs> because that was just a norm in your household <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, um, as I used to say to my mother, West. <laughs> oh, so JR, like, we're, we're not going to beat around the bushes. Like, you know why JR's the best commentator. Like, listen to him cool wrestling. It's great. What's your favourite JR um, commentary bit? Skittles, Skittles. <laughs> Skittles. Um, no, it's it's or just a raw that you did that. It was raw. There was like a couple of running weeks where he'd have to do it, and it would get more excited each really and every time. It was great. Fruity Skittles, Rainbow Skittles, or something. Yeah, it was great. I, I think my favorite JR call is whenever I. I think we actually we had the sound drop at some point, and I'm going to find it now because I swear we have it. Um, but it's JR calling someone a son of a bitch. Son and of a bitch. I think it's like the greatest thing yeah here it is yeah we used that for a crossover drop didn't we a few years ago weeks ago Ex- years ago what's going on feels like years ago <laughs> I hate but, you. but yeah that is just one of my favorites what about you um i so i've talked about this before i think one of his um, finest pieces of work which we will sadly never hear anymore is his commentary when chris benoit wins the world title at wrestlemania 20 um, ah, yes. his his whole monologue there about Chris Benoit's 18 year odyssey everybody said you couldn't do it all this um, he does a fucking smashing job with that um, but also the roar where Lita turns on Kane and joins Edge um, when mm. that happens um, JR's passion of saying about you know shouting about um, how what a horrible piece of shit Edge is what a horrible man he is and you know he's just done the unthinkable you know to Matt Hardy really but in storyline type purposes at the time Lita was with Ken and um, sort of you know betraying Kane like that he just delivers it with such passion and anger and I think it really helped get Edge over as a massive heel and get that unit over just the passion that JR delivered that was phenomenal if you haven't heard that give it a listen yeah I think that's something he always delivered well was was the passion obviously when Stone Cold the the Austin era has begun and stuff you know just he he always had passion same same for what we were saying about Ronaldo but uh, it was just the way JR used to deliver stuff made, made it that much more believable definitely definitely so those are our personal top five favorite commentators a few crossovers which is a nice change we've been very uh, distant a hat trick exactly we've been very distant from each other le- lately so it's nice to, to have that crossover back in our lives nice to be back. i feel closer to you than i ever have right now it was it was a beautiful moment and thank you for colin to coming on that's um we just need to get more ring announcers they seem to be like our favorite interviews they're just they're good talkers man they're, they're, they're good talkers exactly yeah, they're good talkers. They're funny. They're just nice dudes. So uh, yeah, we're just gonna and, massive, and massive, massive fans of pop punk. Yeah, every, right. Every every announcer we've had, which is awesome. That, we're well up for that. More on that, please. Yeah, it seems to be a pattern emerging. So thank you for Colin to coming on. Um, as we said, check out the Kamikaze show coming up February second at uh, the Coventry Empire. Nailed that one. <laughs> Fluid. <laughs> and uh, go check out this band as well. If you're in Birmingham, why not? It's at the Flapper. Why not? Mouth of the Midlands yeah damn right um, so yeah thank you for that and um, thank you to Jesse I had a lovely time doing managers Seeing this as was it came, fun I really enjoyed this show I really enjoyed this show as well I enjoy every show obviously but this one I really enjoyed and it, yeah. was, it sprung up out of nowhere like we only obviously knew that we were doing commentators when like this morning or something this morning yeah yeah and um, it's so barely any time to knock anything up but it's been off the cuff and lovely 
Exactly. Uh, seeing as it came in second, I think it's only fair that next week we do, or sorry, in a fortnight's time, we'll be doing top five women's matches. I'm which, surprised we haven't done that before. I know. We've done top five women's wrestlers of all time, which was a fun one, uh, but we haven't done women's matches, and I think we're oh, going to cool. have some uh, some good ones in there. It's sort of good that we're doing it now and not back when we started, because a lot of good ones have happened since we started. Exactly. I think uh, we've, we've had the vast majority of great matches. So, And it's going to be weird, because a lot of them are going to be very new and recent. Yeah. So, looking forward to that one. We'll um, take out some old ones, because we're snarky pricks. Well, of course. It's what we do. Bit of, uh, bit of Bull Nakano and Alundra Blaze. <laughs> a bit of, um, I thought you were going to sing the yokai song then. Bit of bull, naka, naka, boom, boom. <laughs> yokai, obscure reference for anyone that knows that one. We'll appreciate yeah, you sorry, being a fan. Quite obscure, isn't it? It's uh, all right, Do you ever listen to podcasts though, and they bust out something obscure that you know, and you go, "Oh, that's lovely that they mentioned that." They, it's like they're talking to me. Exactly. And There'll be we... one person out there that felt that from that. <laughs> Has a little mark out in their bed of like. Yeah. It was for me. So we're doing top five women's matches, and we also have an interview with a very good uprising talent uh, in the UK scene who's going to have an amazing year, an amazing 2020. Uh, that's the OJMO. I'm very excited to have him on. Uh, I was at, where was I? I was at Pro Wrestling Soul, brand new promotion in London that are doing their next show in f- March and it's uh, Pro Wrestling Soul Electric Boogaloo and it's going to be absolutely great and guess who won front row VIP tickets to the show I'll never guess your boy no way I know right amazing Except so I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting mine in the post right yeah yeah sure mate <laughs> and he's never heard from again <laughs> so I spoke to, uh, to to OJ after the match and he said he'd love to come on I also saw a British rounds match and it was absolutely phenomenal to watch but uh, worth checking out on our Twitter page and where can people find our Twitter page Jesse? they can find our Twitter page um, among many other bits of interesting stuff at gottill5.com which has recently been updated because I had a batch of insomnia the other night so I redesigned our logos and banners and stuff so it all looks pretty and new so go check it out there we go awesome and um, my D. Malenko article is still up there I believe and, it is um, uh, if anyone hasn't read that read it I wrote it a long time ago now and I promise I will write a new one soon he's been saying for the last year exactly. I will uh, we are on Steve's podcast next week following the Royal Rumble where we'll be running down because you know we don't do current shit on our own podcast we bombard Steve's yeah, we, invade, we invade others so we'll be on Steve's dad podcast next week uh, stay tuned for that I think it comes out next Friday or actually no it's a bonus episode so we normally upload it pretty quick and we'll be running down the Royal Rumble our predictions that we've made and I'm very looking forward to doing that as well uh, so Shh enjoy your, 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 your time whatever you're doing right now thank you so much for listening thank you to Colin thank you Jesse and I'm looking very much forward to the next show aren't you I can't wait thanks mate I like this job <laughs> <laughs> have a wonderful time everyone thank you for tuning in and we will see you soon